Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. Thank you for coming today. We're so glad that you have joined us. And I want to extend a special welcome and a special invitation. If you are, are, are a non-Christian today, we want you to share the joy of God's grace and mercy with us today as we look into uh, that 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 has has brought salvation to us and in particular he him jesus who has brought salvation and bought salvation at the cross for every one of us including you but you have to repent of sin as we have and receive him as your savior for that that he has paid such a precious price for uh, to be realized in your life today. It can change your destiny uh, eternally, and it can also change your heart and mind right here and right now. Praise God. Amen. So please stay tuned with us today. If you are a backslider and you have known the faith and you have known the Lord and you have fallen away, you've got caught up in the rip current, if you please, of of sin and temptation, and you gave in, and you realize that you have drifted so far away from God. You may feel like you've drifted so far away that you could never find your way back. Well, you Stay tuned today. Amen. You say, why should I even listen? I know that God could never forgive me. Let me tell you something about the devil, your adversary and ours. One of his favorite lies is to convince you and I or anyone that they have sinned so greatly that God could never and would never forgive them. So why not run headlong into the darkness? Live it up while you can, for you know that hell is waiting for you. Amen. Listen, friend of mine, that is that is a, a, a lie that we want uh, to absolutely address here today. As we bring you a message this morning called, Come Running to the Mercy Seat. Amen. Now, this is the title of a song that's been used in many, many revivals, uh, particularly in in North Florida, the mighty move of God in Pensacola. It was used in so many altar calls, and it begins with these verses. In the darkness where everything is unknown, I face the power of sin on my own. I did not know of a place I could go where I could find a way to heal my wounded soul. And then the chorus breaks in, Come running, come running, come running to the mercy seat. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Exodus twenty-five seventeen through 22, where we read initially about the type of Christ and His redemptive love in the New New Covenant, beginning with how God dealt with their sins in the Old Covenant. And, and let's talk about 
the mercy seat. If we can run to the mercy seat, then Christ is our mercy seat. Let's look at this type and let's see Jesus and what he's done for us today. You say, well, pastor, that's old covenant. I thought, I thought grace and mercy and all of that is only in the New Testament. No, friend of mine. It, it, there was grace to a degree in the old covenant and it was based on the unlimited grace available in the new covenant. And I like the way someone has put it. And I'm going to read it to you. Now, the tabernacle was to teach us the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. The tabernacle was the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ before he came. The tabernacle was to teach us the language of God so that when Jesus finally appeared, there would be a people prepared who could understand the spiritual revelations from heaven in Jesus Christ. Understanding that everything about the tabernacle, everything in it, its furnishings down to the very colors used in the tapestries. Amen. All of this was a type of Jesus Christ, a type of the cross. Amen. And before this broadcast is over, I pray that you will come running to the mercy seat if you've never known Jesus. And I pray that if you've known the Lord and drifted away, that you will come home. Hallelujah. Because Christ is waiting. The Father will meet you. You won't have to drag yourself all the way home. He will see you coming and he will run to you if you will run to him and come to him. Hallelujah. Exodus 25, 17 through 22. It says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. So you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, the other cherub at the other end. These mighty angels. Don't think of fat babies with wings. <laughs> no, these were mighty angels of God. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You see the blood of the sacrifice animal was sprinkled on the mercy seat and their faces were toward the mercy seat. Remember what God said, amen, when he told them to put the blood upon the doorpost of their homes in the exodus from Egypt so the death angel would not touch the, the young ones in that home, the firstborn. When I see the blood, we, there's a mighty song of salvation that says that very same thing. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. Let me finish this. You shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you, and there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. The ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant 
was located in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. It was made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. Its dimensions were 50 inches long by 30 wide and 30 deep. The ark was a picture of Christ bearing our sins. The box part representing Christ because it was wood. The wood illustrated the humanity of Christ and the gold represented his deity. Over the top of the box was a lid of gold. The mercy seat or throne. Over each end of the mercy seat was a gold cherub. The highest ranking angel. I told you it wasn't a fat baby with wings like you see on the Valentine's card. The first cherub represented the absolute righteousness of God. The second cherub represented the justice of God. Together they represent the holiness of God himself. The cherub faced each other, wings outstretched toward each other, and looked down at the mercy seat. Righteousness looks down and condemns. Justice looks down and assesses a penalty. Oh, friend, but listen. Now the Hebrew word for mercy seat is kapareth. The Greek word used in the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament is helesterian. And the same Greek word is found in the New Testament in Romans 3.25, 1 John 2.2, 2, and 4.10. And it is translated mercy seat or place of propitiation. So there's a direct relationship between the mercy seat in the tabernacle and the doctrine of propitiation. You won't see that word used in our culture and our language very much. It's an old word, but it's an, the, although it's an ancient word initially, it has so much power. Amen. If we understand what it means, a, a, a simple translation would be to placate someone who is angry, to, to placate Someone who is angry at us, justifiably angry at us. Listen to what the scripture says here about propitiation. Uh, let, let me read you something first. Propitiation is not placating, though it doesn't, it means someone can be placated that is angry. And God is justifiably angry. It is called wrath, His wrath in the Bible, His justifiable anger against sin and sinners. He hates the sin, but He loves the sinner. Listen, propitiation biblically is not just the placating, though it will placate Him of a vengeful God, but rather the satisfying of the righteousness of a holy God making it possible for him to show mercy without compromise. Propitiation demonstrates the consistency of God's character in saving the worst sinners. Hallelujah. Propitiation literally reconciles man to God. Amen. You see, the devil says you've sinned too much. Your sins are too terrible. There's things you could undo if you were out of jail or if you had the opportunity to ask forgiveness, but there are things you cannot do and therefore God could not and would not ever forgive you. That's why this word propitiation becomes so important. I like Isaiah forty four twenty two through 23. It says, I blotted out 
as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Praise God. Amen. Listen, Romans three, twenty-four and 25 says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare the righteousness for the remission of the sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Hallelujah. Amen. First John 2, 2, listen to this, and He is the propitiation, Christ, our propitiation, you see. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Listen, Jesus died that everyone on the planet could be saved. God doesn't want anyone to be lost, although so many are going to be. God doesn't want anyone going to hell. Hell wasn't made for fallen man. It was made for the devil and his angels. And the reason man is going to share that place where evil, wicked demons and de- and the devil is going to spend eternity is because that that. They have rejected this mercy seat that is offered to them, this placating of God's justifiable anger through the blood sacrifice of His own Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. First John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. If the devil told you God could never love you enough to forgive you, He has lied. On the cross, Jesus cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't fully understand. They didn't get it. They were blinded. But I want you to know today that Jesus interceded on the cross and his intercession didn't stop when he came, when he was put in the tomb because he rose from the dead on the third day. And the Bible said that he ever lives now, amen, to make intercession for us. That's what propitiation does. It placates the justifiable anger of God because God wants us to be reconciled to Him. The Scripture says, To wit, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. If God wanted you lost, He would have never sent His Son. If God wanted you eternally banished and punished, He would have never sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on to say it's not His will that any perish but that all come to repentance. You see, because of propitiation, 
God is free to love the believer without compromising either his righteousness or his justice. The thought in the Old Testament sacrifices and in the New Testament fulfillment is that Jesus Christ completely satisfied the just demands of a holy God for the judgment of sin. When Jesus said, It is finished upon the cross. It is accomplished. Amen. He became our mercy seat. Hallelujah. And the wrath of God was turned away. As it is written, the scriptures say, a new covenant uh, uh, really repeating of the old covenant. And it said, as it is written, saith God, I will cast their sins away from them as far as the east is from the west, and their sins will I remember no more. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I like this translation. It said he did it to demonstrate his justice at this present time so that as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This truth is clearly seen in Isaiah 53, 10 and 11. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied, placated. <laughs> Hallelujah. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. I want you to know the devil is a liar. The blood of Jesus speaks in your behalf today. And I pray you won't run from God. You won't buy the lie. You won't seal your fate that you draw your last breath. And the only thing waiting for you is eternal banishment from the presence of God in torment with the devil and his angels and those who have trodden underfoot this this blood of the new covenant. Friend of mine, today there's hope for you. There's help for you today. Why, why am I saying this to someone in this audience? Because this message is not random. Amen. This message is hand-picked by the Lord because He knew you would be listening and you needed to hear it. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this, this lyric again. In the darkness where everything is unknown, I faced, I faced the power of sin on my own. I did not know of the place I could go where I could find a way to heal my wounded soul. Come running, come running to the mercy seat where Jesus is waiting. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, friend of mine, Jesus is waiting today to receive you. Listen to Romans 5, 1 and 2 from the Amplified. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. <laughs> 
Through Him, we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, this state of God's favor, wherein we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We have, we have every reason today because of the mercy seat, because of the grace that has been made available because of the mercy of God, because Jesus Christ literally became the fulfillment of that mercy seat in the Old Testament, Old Covenant tabernacle. Amen. Psalm 89, 15 through 18 said, Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name they shall rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness they shall be and that, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted, for thou art the glory of their strength. And in thy favor our horn or power, symboling power, is exalted, for the Lord is our defense, <laughs> and the Holy One of Israel is our King. You see, because Jesus is our mercy seat, we can sing the songs of a soul set free. I want to say that again, because Jesus is our mercy seat, and we have run to the mercy seat, and we have been, and our, our God has, has His anger, His justifiable anger, because of our sinfulness has been placated because of the shed blood of His only Son. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Jesus is our mercy seat, we can sing the songs of a soul set free. We can shout for joy. We're accepted in the beloved. God is for us. <laughs> Who can be against us? You see, He is our defense, our shield, our buckler, and particularly against the accusations of the enemy. The Bible said in the book of Revelation chapter 12, Now, now is the accuser of the brethren cast down who accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto the death. Praise God. Amen. You see, as long as heaven lasts, the praises of the blood of Jesus, the praises of His sacrifice, the praises to Him who is our mercy seat and to God who gave His Son will continually, continually be heard throughout all eternity. Amen. Age without end. Look with me at Revelation 5 and verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Glory to God. You see, dear friend, once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies twice, once to make atonement for his own sins, 
and then to do so for the people. He sprinkled blood from the sacrifice on the ark, on the top of the mercy seat between the cherubs. This is a graphic, clear illustration of God's grace provision for sin. Righteousness looks at the blood of the animal, which represents the death of Christ on the cross, His substitutionary atonement, and is satisfied. Justice looks at the blood and is satisfied that the penalty paid for sin was sufficient, teaching that Jesus was judged and paid the penalty for us. Therefore, the ark speaks of redemption. Christ paid for our sins. He paid our ransom to purchase us from the slavery of sin and the slavery to Satan. So we have in the ark and the mercy seat a picture of God's satisfaction with the work of Jesus, and it's known as propitiation. Oh, in the old covenant, the congregation of Israel patiently, prayerfully waited outside the tabernacle for the high priest to appear before them. They rejoiced and were relieved when the high priest parted the gate of the tabernacle court with his hands raised toward the people, symbolizing that God had accepted the sacrifice that he offered. Joyous praise echoed throughout the congregation. It was like life from the dead because the atonement had been accomplished and the atonement had been accepted. I want you to know when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Amen. The old contract was torn up and a new covenant was established. Amen. For the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Hallelujah. Because Jesus now has been raised for our justification. Now I want you to know you are not so deep into sin that he can't reach down to where you are. My dad, I've said at times on this broadcast, I've been really thinking about my dad who's been with the Lord some years now. One of his favorite songs was when he reached way down for me, when he reached way down for me. I was lost and undone without God, nor His Son, when the Savior reached down for me. When He reached way down for me. Friend of mine, wherever you are today, God is reaching way down for you. And I don't know how deep into sin You have fallen how deep the pit is that holds you captive. But I know one thing for sure. God's arm is long enough to reach you. Because His love is strong enough to give His Son. And Jesus' love is strong enough to hold Him to the cross because nails couldn't do it. Soldiers at the bottom couldn't keep him on it. All of the armies of the world could not hold him unless he laid himself down that he might propitiate. A God who is justifiably angry at us, but 
simultaneously wants to forgive us. How can He be just and a justifier of people so undeserving? Because He judged our sin in His own Son. The Scripture said in Romans 8, Oh, if He loved us enough. If He loved us enough to give us His Son, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? If He loved us enough to offer up His Son, to spare not His Son, Oh, friend, don't run. Don't run from Him today. Run to Him. Repent of your sin. Cry out unto God. And God will set you free. There's no pit too deep, no prison so strong that the hand of God can't grab a hold of you and jerk you out in Jesus' name.